welcome to the Supergirl Supercast. I'm Trishy Matson, And I'm David Schaub. And today we are talking about Supergirl, Season 4, Episode 16, The House of Ill. Would you like to uh, give us a summary of the episode, David? Lex has powers, and he takes all the credit. But no more about that, this is our second baddie flashback episode. Three years ago, reminding us that Lex is evil. He had his judge, jury, and prosecutors killed while receiving his verdict, and then recruited Miss Tessmacher as his plant. Not only was Lex called to save Red Supergirl, er, Red Daughter. He's been mind-washing Red Daughter all season to hate Supergirl and the West. The Harun L created clone had no memory, but could have been as decent as Kara. Then Lex tried to have a young boy killed to break her. He almost lost control of her, but won her back after giving himself cancer, getting Lena's cure, and transfusing his Harun L blood into her. Agent Liberty is his patsy, too. Really, Otis saved the boy. I'm shook. Oh, and are you kidding me? Lex knows Supergirl is Kara. Yep, so, uh... <laughs> we always knew Lex was an intricate, brilliant plotter, but it's it really reaches arcane heights in this one. Giving yourself cancer, being confident that uh, Lena will be able to cure you just so that you can then pass on that cure to uh, so-called Red Daughter. <laughs> uh, it is strange. There are so many Lex machinations in this episode that I really like. <laughs> He's playing every side. He's playing Kaznia. He wants Red Daughter to attack the West for Kaznia so that he can probably defeat her and then get everyone in the West to like him. While he's also playing Agent Liberty, while he's playing the Warden, while he's playing the President. Everything is up in the air. It is exciting and interesting. But I do not believe that he would give himself cancer. <laughs> I think he loves himself too much and uh, relies on Lena too little to to do that. Um, well, that and the for the Harnell cured of tonic, he wasn't willing to use it because it might be lethal. Guess what? Giving yourself cancer is lethal. Right. Those two things seem oh strange. I had difficulty with him giving himself cancer. It was a great line, but I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. One other unbelievable thing, or at least inexplicable thing to me, the trial was supposedly set three years in the past, but this is season four of Supergirl. So in the trial, he was talking like Superman was the only alien out there, um, and so that's just totally out of whack with the chronology of this show. I think it is perfectly reasonable that Lex is so Superman-focused <laughs> that while Superman is in his view, he could not care whether Supergirl existed. It mm. is a bit strange. You think they would have wanted to have it set before Supergirl started, to so do it four years ago? But I think they really wanted the timing to match nicely to... Miss Tessmacher being set as a plant. And I think that's what the driving focus for when it was set. By the way, I was relieved that uh, they threw in this answer to um, 
why Miss Tessmacher was planted at Catco. It was not in some sort of precognitive knowledge that Lena would eventually buy Catco and be around there long enough to pick up Miss Tessmacher and take her back to Ilkorf with her. It was originally just a plot to get get her inside James Olsen's orbit, or Jimmy, as of course, as Lex calls him. And so, you know, in the last uh, supercast, which I wasn't able to attend, uh, y'all were discussing that it didn't make sense. And now we see that it did make sense. His plot was just a little more convoluted. And I suppose in that case, it would have been uh, trying to get close to Jimmy in order to try to get close to Superman somehow. Yeah, last podcast, we were considering the options. And I think (laughs) what we saw is within the realms of what I pictured. However, I still don't believe that they actually wrote it at that time to have this end result. I think that we are seeing some retconning, (laughs) to say the least. But you never know. Right, so so do you want to... Go back in three in time, three years, and just talk about developments from that point up to the present. Yeah, let's just do that. <laughs> okay, actually, three years ago was the prison sentencing. Did anything happen between then and when Lex found out about uh, Red Red Supergirl? I don't think so. Okay, one thing happened, which was him basically picking up his Manson girl. Lex right. Groupie, Eve, Miss <laughs> Tessmacher. I think for the most part, what we saw was a bunch of historic scenes for mm-hmm. James Olson. We see even more information about how Lena views this matter, which uh-huh. again makes me not believe last episode where Lena was willing to work with Lex. Yeah. This does not add to that in that. Lena is basically just being horrified about him and saying all of these things during the trial. So none of it really made me feel like I would buy that she would actually work with Lex. Right. I really feel like Lena of the trial, if she had found out Lex had cancer, would have said good riddance. Exactly. It's hard to imagine any other reaction. And it's the aspect of the last episode that seemed the weakest. And they try and defend it later on in this episode, and I don't think they succeed. But really, those two things are the only things that matter. And for Miss Tessmacher, maybe we should have assumed Miss Tessmacher worked for Lex in the movie. Miss Tessmacher still works for Lex. I still don't think they were presenting it that way three years ago. But what do you do? And they're having fun with it. I thought it was just a nice little twist to have her working for Lena in this show, as opposed to... uh, uh, Lex in the comics, but, and I don't know, and I really don't have any idea if they meant it that way originally and are now retconning it, or if they really had some kind of long game, uh, planned for uh, the Supergirl show lo these many years ago. <laughs> Maybe they considered both possible. <laughs> we may never know. Shall we move on to nine months ago? Right. Yes. This has Red Daughter, as this show currently seems to want to name her, showing up in Kaznia. And we do find out that, no, this is not an evil clone. This is, as far as we can tell, Supergirl's personality, just with no memory except for the name Alex. Right. And 
I I enjoyed that. Um, I mean, I I know that Alexander's Luther, you know, uh, well, at least in some versions, his his full name is Alexander, and he just goes by Lex. So, but I had never thought of the Lex Alex uh, parallels before. A very um, cute ploy. I'll give the writers credit for that one. Yes, <laughs> I you know he she she. she as she has been saying since she came to this place, says Alex when she sees him, and he says something in a friendly tone of voice to him, and he says, "Sure," <laughs> instantly exactly. grabbing, you know, seeing the opportunity and seizing it with both hands. <laughs> I would like to give this production and Supergirl, or at least Benoist, if I can pronounce that correctly. A fair amount of credit for just how much Russian dialogue and accents they did in this. I'm not saying they're good Russian dialogue and Russian accents, but I was very happy to see them try and actually have the characters speaking in Russian or sounding Russian when appropriate. Mm -hmm. As we see Red Daughter learn Russian from child books, maybe propaganda-filled child books, in three months. Right. Is it actually Russian, though, or is it... Kazian. Is it the same thing? Obviously, this is a made-up country, or maybe an SSR that is now free, but I certainly don't remember any mentions in the show before this episode of rising tensions with Kazia, which apparently has been going on for quite some time. Whichever works. It doesn't really <laughs> matter. Yeah, for some reason, they don't want to go all out and and just say that Russia is doing this fine whatever um may maybe they want to be able to sell the show in syndication in Russia um but <laughs> you know it's it's kind of silly but that's that's not a big deal <laughs> there are plenty of other uh inconsistencies and things to talk about now we're on to 6 months ago right 6 months ago um Lex finds out uh I think, yeah, that was six months ago. And at some point after that, I'm not quite sure how far after that, after he shows up and gives her books and stuff, she's reading, and she, with her super hearing, hears some little boy crying out for help, and she breaks out of her cell and goes and saves uh, a boy and his mother from robbers. Um, at some point later we see her and Lex visiting that boy. In the meantime, before that, there's there's a little note about how he's been sending her the books and she keeps throwing them in a pile in the corner of the room. But she reads Gatsby more than the other books and he asks her why and she says she likes it. It's lush. It has beautiful words. And he's very mad at her because... <laughs> She likes it for the wrong reasons, according to him. <laughs> I do find the set of books to be pretty funny. The Great Gatsby, Thus Spoke Varastrusta, The Course in General Linguistics, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, <laughs> Their Eyes Were Watching God, Contributions to the Critique of Political Economy. What I really want to know is how in the world did Atlas Shrugged not get added to that pile? <laughs> Because if there is not a more Randian jerk on this planet uh -huh, than Lex Luthor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, you know, if, if you have Nietzsche, you, 
<laughs> you <laughs> ought to have had uh, Rand in there too. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a, a very amusing little little montage. <laughs> Earlier in the six month ago time period, we see that while Lex is in prison, he actually has no problems skipping prison and going off and flying to Asia. I did think it was a very nice little throwaway line that the warden is gay and it has no impact at all to the plot line. Was it his wife that went with him? No, it's his husband that went with him and nobody cares. Right. Well, I, you know, given what a super genius Lex is, it's not at all surprising to me that um, that he would have pretty quickly brought the warden under his sway. And of course, he has an image inducer, <laughs> as as all the Luthers do, uh, to uh, pretend to be him in his cell. Um, or I guess that's not an image inducer. That would just be a straight up hologram. The line between them is pretty vague in this show, but yes. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it is surprising given that anyone who knows anything about Luther, the Luthors, uh, the House of L, as the episode title puts it. Anyone would know that a an ordinary prison cell would not hold Mr. Luther for very long. So it's a mystery to me why he doesn't have regular check-ins from somebody. Not D.E.O., because he's not extraterrestrial, but somebody other than the prison warden ought to be checking him fairly often. But, you know, he... He's able to take not just one trip, but regular trips, frequent trips out of prison to go to Kosnia. I think all of this is really helped by the thing that helped last episode, too, which is he is manipulating the warden and threatening the warden's family, and he's manipulating mm -hmm. the president. So he has quite the ears that he's working with. So, I mean, it's just he has that much influence. He has that much power. I have some difficulty with it. This is kind of like third season Daredevil when how in the world is the corruption this deep and how can this not actually happen in the real world so much? It did seem stretching what is possible, but it's Lex Luthor. I suppose <laughs> you kind of have to give the episode that. Right. Of course, Lex has been manipulating Red I hate calling her Red Daughter. I'm just going to call her Red. <laughs> daughter, That's fine. daughter seems like entirely squicky relationship, especially given given the whole sister dynamic thing. Uh, and and she's of an age level with obviously, well, not not actually since she was only created, you know, last season. But <laughs> um, she. It, it just seems like she, she should be in a sisterly relationship. I guess he's seeing himself as her mentor, her father figure, and calling her Red Daughter, but it just feels kind of squicky to me, so I'm just going to call her Red. <laughs> that is okay. I did actually type into my phone, drawing in the Cyrillic, just to confirm that the title of the episode was actually translated in Russian to... Red Daughter. So so that was actually kind of nice that I can verify that. But <laughs> it is a weird name. In IMDb, and I think they don't think it ever is said, but it's implied that her code name there is Snowbird. Mm -hmm. But it never comes up, so I don't know if it matters. 
Now, I think he used, somebody used the word once during the episode. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, no- normal people call each other by name once in a while in conversation, and but maybe Lex doesn't use other people's <laughs> names much since he doesn't care about them. Um, there was a question actually about Eve in that, in that Eve told him her name on the assumption that he would use her name. And of course, he has to say Ms. Tessmacher. And right. I was wondering, <laughs> is that a, a distancing thing or just they like her using that name? Uh, I took it as a distancing thing. Of course, it's always fun when he yells, Ms. Tessmacher. Um, call back to the, to the, uh, to the movie <laughs> um, way, way long ago. But um, yeah, it, it felt very much to me like he was subordinating her by refusing to stoop to the intimacy of her first name. It definitely could work both ways. I am not entirely happy with Red Daughter, but at least Lex is not trying to manipulate her into a relationship with him as a lover instead of a daughter. So it could have been worse. Okay. All right. It could have been worse. <laughs> okay. So he's he's mind control or, you know, he's working on keeping her in his mental sway. And uh, she, he, at her instigation, uh, agrees to take her to National City be- so because she wants to know more about America. And I loved that her alias was Linda Lee, which was one of Supergirl's aliases in the comics. And anyway, uh, they, they go to various places. They scope out Kara Danvers' apartment. And Don't bury the lead. I'm sorry? Don't bury the lead. The kicker here is Lex knows who Supergirl is. At this point, right. I'm screaming at the screen. <laughs> yes. Um. So, right. Obviously, he's obsessed with the the Kryptonians, and once once Supergirl swam into his com- consciousness, he would immediately try to find out everything that he could about her, and maybe being a little smarter than than Lena, or maybe just uh not being friends with her and thus being able to see more clearly. Yeah. Somehow, at some point, he did figure out um, who Supergirl was. And so, yes, as you say, uh, that is why he knew whose apartment to take (laughs) Red to. I cannot believe they're doing this. (laughs) They put us through this with Lena, not knowing. For all of this time, Lex walks in, takes credit for getting the powers from the Harunel, and knows who Supergirl is. It doesn't do anything, anything useful with that information either, which is just bizarre. But I cannot believe this. I almost think that the writers are just trying to keep knocking Lena down, saying, well, obviously you're not as good. And I am shocked by this. So it, by the end of this season, Lena better kick major ass <laughs> to make up yes. for... Absolutely falling for Lex's manipulation and not figuring it out. Him knowing who Supergirl is and she can't figure it out. I'm just flabbergasted by it. My guess would be in the scenes where I believe Lena, Eve, and Kara were in Elcorp. 
and Kara was trying to be sneaky using her powers, maybe Eve caught her there. That would be my guess. Hmm. Oh, maybe maybe the scene where Kara was super sneezing criminals away and, exactly. and stuff. Uh, maybe I, I would hate to think that Eve Tessmacher caught on to Kara's superpowers then and Lena didn't. But they may explain it, but until I hear a better explanation, I'm assuming that. Or maybe Eve thought to check the security tapes. Hmm. Ooh, and if she did that, she might then have erased the pertinent scenes before Lena had a chance to review them. That would at least help explain why Lena inexplicably did not figure stuff out at that point. That's a good headcanon. I don't know if I want to defend the grossness <laughs> that they're doing here, but we'll see how this season redeems Lena. At this point, it's not uh, Lena being redeemed for doing evil things. At this point, Lena just has to not look like a dummy. Yeah, um, uh, if, if they're doing all this straight up and it's not all part of some Xanatos gambit by Lena, um, which I, I think at that, this point that would pretty much collapse under the weight of all the connecting <laughs> things. I did briefly consider is Eve a triple agent? I don't <laughs> think they're going to do it. Yeah, I don't think so. And that leaves us with the thought that Lena is 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 dumb and easily manipulated. And I just absolutely hate that. She's been one of my favorite characters. I've been fascinated to see what they do with her. And if they sacrifice her and dumbify her just so that they can build up the bigger villain of Lex, that is just incredibly disappointing to me. I'll hold out hope for the rest of the season. We're not done yet, but this seems to be the low point, I would say, for Lena. Mm-hmm. I do quite like the lines in Kara's apartment. Oh, I love the lines. <laughs> There's some wonderful ones. They called ones. out some of the things that we ourselves have talked exactly. about. Exactly. Red says, she lives like a princess in a tower. And Lex says, and on a reporter's salary. And on a reporter's salary. salary. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um... And I also liked uh, Red's uh, uh, pop psychology of uh, Kara. She likes comfort. She is undisciplined. All this food is just for her? I mean, I'm absolutely sure that Kara burns a lot of calories in her, uh, in her super heroic activities. But uh, yeah, she is a little undisciplined. Um, <laughs> Ruled by her emotions. But yeah, the lines there were, were, were just... <laughs> and I really do like how they're presenting Red. I was afraid that we were either going to get something Rain-like or we were going to get something like the alternate universe evil Kara. Right. And I'm really happy that they're giving us this interesting clone who doesn't have her memories and while is arguably the same personality and has the same morals is being manipulated mm -hmm. so much. Right. She has good instincts, as as we saw by her, you know, saving little, the little boy. Um, she has some intelligence, given the questions that she was coming up with when we shifted forward in time a little bit to the submarine. Uh, but, you know, she... She saw Kara's diary and read through it, and and so she was telling Miss Tessmacher she's 
she has friends. She wants to do good. Um, and so then Miss Tessmacher calls Lex in a panic, and he uh, comes up with, of course, another manipulation. And a manipulation that I don't quite understand why it worked. Beyond the whole, I have no idea how Eve got onto some U.S. naval frigate. And took it over and aimed a missile. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that that means an American vehicle launched a missile into Asia to take out this small farmhouse, which also makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. With her x-ray vision, I don't know if I believe that with the damage we saw, she also wouldn't have been able to find remains. Right. On first viewing, that passed over and I didn't notice it because I assumed the kid was dead. And then we get this thing where Otis saved the kid, which absolutely blew me away. But then I don't know if I buy that. She'd be able to identify who made the rocket, but not find the body. Yeah, I mean, if the shack was vaporized to the extent that there weren't even any bones lying around, there shouldn't have been any wood uh, <laughs> or, or really hardly any metal parts left lying around. Conceptually, killing the kid in some fashion, I think, made sense. Mm-hmm. I think they should have just done the machinations of that manipulation better. I don't know if it's just an effect issue or they just didn't have time. But yeah, the, the whole thing with the frigate, none of it really held together very well. I The only thing I can think is that uh, they have kept, Car or Lex has kept Kara so busy since then that she has not really had a chance to think it through and wonder why the Americans would have shot a missile at a peasant shack in in Kosnia. It's strange. It is kind of amusing that also in this flashback, we get through episode two of the season and then episode four of the season as the air is full of kryptonite and then the air is cleared of kryptonite. And we can go on with this story. <laughs> but Supergirl does conveniently get a couple Lex-made earrings installed while she is impacted by the kryptonite. Right. So now, of course, he can control her even more. We don't know what they do yet. No, but there's no way that they're not there for him to be able to control her better. <laughs> oh, sorry. We know they're going to do that. We just don't know how they're going to do that. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, back to Otis for a second. He's certainly been completely willing to kill large masses of people before. So I don't know why... Why this kid? Why save him? I don't know. But I do like him. I did like his little scene of uh, telling the kid, you know, if you ever see a bald man, just play dead. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> he's an if, idiot, if, if, but if, he's now a funny idiot. Uh, yes, he's a funny idiot. You know, if Lex sees that kid lying on dead on a floor, you know, in three weeks from now, he's going to know. <laughs> That Otis saved the kid for a while, at least. They do give us a one-off line from Otis, and I really did not like Otis in the previous episodes this season, but I do kind of like him here, in that this is a second life, return from the dead, I have reached some epiphany, I'll save the kid, everyone should have a second chance, I did. <laughs> and at some point, it makes the character so much more appealing than his previous role. Right. Um, I don't know if they'll ever really bother to explain his change of heart to us any more than that. 
Um, or why he's but, alive. Or or why he's alive, or, or really anything. But, you know, he he is so minor and such a comic relief that I really don't have any problem with that. It's, you know, I don't mind a little rewrite of him <laughs> as much, you know, by any shadow of, of a magnification of how much it bothers me how they're yanking Lena around. Is nothing in comparison. Right. So we do now catch up to the scene where Red gets sick. Mm-hmm. So at this point, even Lex does have this great bit of dialogue, which is Eve says, I have an idea, but you're not going to like it. What we... Lex, you're right. I have to give myself cancer. Eve. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That is not what I was going to say. <laughs> that was wonderful. I still don't believe he should give himself cancer. Lex says, she'll never work with me, but she will save me. And there's an argument that him having cancer helped, but it's not that she will save him. It's, she will never work with me if she doesn't think that the only reason I'm working with her is to save my own skin. Mm-hmm. The benefit of him having cancer isn't that she wants to save him. I don't know why she would anyway. But the real benefit is it meant she didn't believe it was a con. Right. It lulled her suspicions. Exactly. And that was what it actually accomplished, which was good. I still don't believe he would give him cancer, but it is an interesting line. I don't think they wrote it quite right, but that's what the show gave us. So... I also have a problem with the way that he delivered the message of his cancer to Lena. Hologram. Because he shows up as a projection, some kind of hologram, in her apartment. And she doesn't seem at all phased by the fact that, you know, he's projecting a hologram into her into her place from prison. Not at all phased by the fact that he knows that she's working on a super soldier project, which is supposed to be ultra secret. Um, You know, she just she doesn't even bother asking him any questions about that. She she just, you know, tells him that she doesn't want, you know, her reactions are really off to me. At this point, I was still so upset that Lex knows who Supergirl is that I think I let a lot of that just wash over me. I liked a lot of the dialogue here, though, again, between them. Lena says, I'm not like you. I want to help people, Lex. I'm people. <laughs> you haven't asked me what I need the Black Rock for. I assumed homicide. I like the dialogue. <laughs> yes, very good. But I agree that you'd think Lena would be calling up the government and saying, well, why is Lex Luthor able to send me a holographic message? And I just think they didn't have time for it. I and it suppose. does still come off with Lena being weird. Yeah. Yeah. The reactions are just hard to, you know, it could just be that we're seeing missed steps and that they're trusting us to, you know, figure stuff out, you know, figure out that Lena never really believed in his imprisonment. But. uh, mm. (laughs) And it's unfortunate that Lena is the dummy is the answer to almost all the loose ends in the story. That's not a good way of building the story. Not at all. And and it really feels like some of this stuff, if they had just put a little more thought into it, they could have gotten around. Like the whole missile to the peasant hut thing. They could have thought of... I'm sure Lex could have thought of some other way of making that happen. Well, I mean, they could have just had a missile platform in space with a computer program telling it to do it. 
and destroying it absolutely so that it, it wouldn't be obvious that the boy lived. I don't know. Something, maybe. Overall, though, as a means of trying to break down Red, I think it worked for that, certainly. Yeah. I mean, it shocked her and snapped her back to being angry at the decadent Americans again. So, yes, it was effective, but it... it I don't feel like... You know, it, it just felt a little lazy to me. You know, a, a number of these things that they did... Uh, with the questions, you know, jumping out, not, not refrigerator moments where I'm thinking about the episode later and it's like, hey, why does that happen? It's, you know, throughout the episode, I keep getting distracted by things that feel off or rushed or, uh, inexplicable given what we know of the characters. Other than the Lena is dumb business, I think most of it is just rushed. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of the last three or four episodes, it generally has felt somewhat rushed. Yeah. But it does leave Red Daughter, sorry, Red, <laughs> with the line, Supergirl acts on her emotions. It is selfish, ugly. I will not be her. I will be me. I will be disciplined. I will follow you and destroy her. So what I really hope is her character keeps actually being interesting in the next episode or next couple episodes. Mm -hmm. Now that she's actually going to show up and confront our main characters. Well, I would really like to see her follow through with her plan of being disciplined and rational and thinking things through. Uh, you know, I would like to for her to reason her way into realizing that uh, Alex, um, sorry, that that uh, that Lex is evil and Supergirl and and Alex may be misguided, but not evil. We see her try to get there. And maybe it's going to take revealing that the boy is still alive, maybe. Right. But we even have her asking, why does Kara also have an Alex? <laughs> I did like that. It looked for a moment like things might actually unwind there. But of course, we have quite a few to. more episodes to get through. So she couldn't come to the realization then. But yes, obviously the Alex she was calling for at the beginning uh, of her genesis is not Alexander Luther. <laughs> it's Shocking. our own Alex Danvers. Um, that And really, when she meets Alex Danvers might be a very important scene. And I'm sure they're going to play it that way. Right. Right. I'm looking forward to when that happens. Well, wait. No, didn't, did, didn't she meet her? She did meet her in, in the apartment. You're right. They actually did have that. And it did, I think, lead to her almost coming out of it. Right. It's just she got pulled back in by the death of the boy. So Right. She she was pretty close to connecting some dots, but yeah. um uh Lex of course managed to distract her by by creating a, a meaningless tragedy that he uh <laughs> twisted a meaning into. <laughs> Without a doubt though. Yes. Red is redeemable in that Red is Kara, in almost every way, we are not aware of her being corrupted except by the manipulations in the last nine months. Mm -hmm. I would expect that that'll be the path for dealing with her. As a function of Lex knowing who Supergirl is, I really don't know what that means for Lex, because it's hard to imagine he's going to live unless John is going to have a fun time with his brain. Um, 
given that Lex is a person who enjoys torture, as we know from the trial where it says that uh, uh, James has 16 scars from the torture that Lex gave him um, to try to get to Superman, I suppose. But, you know, he, he likes pulling wings off flies. And so it's entirely possible that if he encounters uh, Lena again and finds out that Lena is a friend of Kara Danvers, that he would tell her the secret just to, you know, watch her crumple. Of course, that would be very disappointing for us who want Lena to figure it out on her own, but... <laughs> it definitely could happen that he will use that as a ploy to try and break Lena mm -hmm. and drive a wedge between Lena and Kara. I could see that happening. I just mm -hmm. don't think they can leave the show with Lex Luthor knowing who Kara is, because there's no good reason he also wouldn't be able to figure out who Clark Kent is. Right. And it's really hard for this universe to hold together with Lex Luthor having that information. Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll be the, like the comics and he'll be president after President Boxleitner. <laughs> um, uh, oh, by the way, did you see the next week uh, clips? I did not. It's the one thing iTunes does not give me. Right. So um, uh, there's fighting going on and we see a a thing of uh, President Boxleitner uh, talk, giving some kind of TV address and saying, Supergirl, you are now public enemy number one. So apparently the plot next, th next time is going to be to have Red uh, go do a bunch of evil things dressed as Supergirl so that everyone will think Supergirl has gone evil. I don't see why you wouldn't just go after Kara, but sure, that'll work. Well, you know, he likes uh, complicated, involuted plots. <laughs> He's effectively behind the scenes running the Children of Liberty, probably. So anything that will help that movement mm -hmm. is good from his perspective. As a plot, that makes perfect sense. I just got, I wanted to say that I uh, got a little kick out of the fact that uh, Eve Tessmacher boasted that she is a former junior Miss North Carolina. <laughs> I'm from North Carolina. Um, and in related beauty queen news, um, I'm really excited that a Supergirl alum, uh, Brianna Vinskus, who played a DEO agent until, well, through some point in 2017, she's been named uh, the queen of Wilmington, my hometown's Azalea Festival. And <laughs> I just, <laughs> I love the connection. Um, she's been in, uh, besides Supergirl, she's been on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The Walking Dead and uh, some other things. Um and something else that accords with the values of our Supergirl show is that she is the first openly LGBTQ uh, Azalea Queen that Wilmington has ever had. So I just think that's awesome. That's pretty great. <laughs> and I think that's about it, unless you have anything, uh, any final thoughts? Nope, I just really want to see Lena kick some ass. I really, really want to see Lena redeem her brain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
we know she's smart. <laughs> uh, but she just has to be a bit smarter than she has been. Okay, well, I, of course, would like to thank you, David, for another fascinating discussion about Supergirl. Happy to be here. I want to thank the incomparable network of podcasts for hosting our uh, little discussions about this show that we love and and sometimes we love it like a you know some some confused thing that needs a little help but <laughs> we still love it <laughs> um and i want to thank our audio editor and last of all i want to thank our listeners um We'd love to hear from some of you. You can uh, talk to us on Twitter at SG Supercast, or if you join the Incomparable Members group, uh, you can talk to us on the Slack uh, in the TV channel. So, until next time, thanks. Bye-bye.